You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. John chapter number 18, I want to read a couple of verses of scripture to you just to kind of get into the thought from a different uh, chapter, different book of the Bible. You can just listen to those if you want. We're going to read in John chapter 18, but these, uh, these two verses go in, uh, just go together with what we're going to read tonight. So I want you to see it with me. I'll be honest with you, last, last night and then throughout the night and then today, I've wrestled with whether or not to preach this or not. I prepared this message a day or two ago and uh, just wanted to make sure I preach the right message for the right hour. And I'm glad you get over that after a while. Just, you get over wanting to impress or preach a good sermon and you want God's message for the, the moment. And so I prayed about it. And then uh, I thought about the things, you know, transpiring in our church and a family that we all love and faithful. But I thought, you know, probably that would be a message that Mrs. Kirby would want preached more than anything else, uh, considering where she is right now. So I'm going to preach it tonight. Matthew chapter 26, verse 33. Just listen to this verse, and then we'll get to our text chapter. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That's a pretty strong statement. He said, everybody else might uh, forsake you, but I'll never, I'll never forsake you. Another verse, Luke chapter 22 and verse number uh, 33. Peter, it's the same passage, just different gospel writers. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. It's a pretty big statement. Basically what he's saying is, I'll never leave. I'll always be by your side. You can count on me. Everybody else may run, they may turn, but no, nah, I'm ready. I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to lay my head on the chopping block. If that's what it takes, I'll go with you till the end. I'll never leave you. In John chapter number 18, we find what the Bible records is Peter's denial. I want you to hear this statement. Every denial of Christ is a sin, and every sin is a denial of Christ. And in this chapter, we see Christ in his glory, but Peter in his iniquity. This man that was so faithful becomes so fearful. And this man that said, I'll never leave, you can count on me, falls out with the Lord right before he does probably his greatest work. The gospel is fulfilled. I want you to look with me in verse 15. Jesus has been praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Judas has come and kissed his cheek. The soldiers have taken him now into custody. He's been led to uh, Annas and Caiaphas. Ultimately, he'll go stand before Pilate. But in verse number 15, Jesus is now taken into the high priest's palace. And here's what the Bible said in verse 15. And Simon Peter, by the way, Simon Peter, two names. A name denotes a nature. For example, Jacob, supplanter, but Israel, prince with God. Yeah. Naomi, Mara, a name denotes a nature. Uh, Abram, Abraham, Simon, Peter. Simon is the old man. Peter's the new man. Yep. Simon's the carnal man. Peter's the spiritual man. And it's interesting how John calls him Simon Peter. He's saying, Peter, you still battle with it. You still deal with the old and you're trying to live in the new. And can I say, you and I do the same thing. And in this passage, we see him display both of those to their fullest, his old nature and the new nature. Look what it says. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. 
But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a, coal of fire, a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Let's just jump down to verse number 25. The Bible says, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Third time, Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Now, Peter, I believe, had good intentions. I don't believe he ever purposed or planned for this to happen in his life. In fact, I believe he might have denied because in verse number 10 of the chapter, he's rebuked by the Lord for making a mistake. And every time a man or woman makes a mistake, it weakens them a little bit spiritually. It weakens the boldness of their stand and their convictions. So Peter denies the Lord. He falls out. He never would have thought it, never would have planned it. I want to go on record and say that the church is the most important thing in this world. And the church that you attend and the church that you plug your family into sets the, traje traje the trajectory, the positioning, the principle, the philosophy, the direction of your family for the rest of their time on earth. Yes, sir. It's not a flippant decision. It's yeah. not just a decision you make over coffee. It's not just something you do on a whim or a wild hair. It's going to affect not just your life, but your offspring and their offspring yeah. until Jesus yeah. returns. It matters where you go to church. But it also matters if you stick in church. For a little while this evening, I don't want anybody, I never would want anybody to leave church. Nobody. But for a while tonight, I want to preach from the life of Peter on this thought. Let me help you leave. Let me give you a few steps in the life of Peter that he took in denying the Lord. If you're going to leave, I'm going to give you an exit strategy. I'm going to give you a few things, and they're going to be from the Bible even. I'm going to give them to you tonight. How to, how to leave if you're going to leave. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help. I pray to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm 100% for the local church. Yep. If you want to talk bad about the local church, if you want to down it, you want to dog it, then go to somebody else. I'm for it. In fact, I love it so much, even wear stickers that say so. I love the local yep. church. Amen. I'm 100% for it. I love the church because it's biblical. Yep. I love the church because it was the blood of Christ that provided it for us. Yep. I love the church because I just think it's the best thing going here yep. in this world. Amen. Really, there's no place like it. Now, I didn't say it was perfect, and I wouldn't dare do that because you and I come, but there's no place like it. You study the New Testament, and you find God has placed a pretty high premium on his house. The Bible emphasizes throughout the New Testament the importance of the local church. In fact, tonight, if we could escort Bible characters onto the platform and ask them to a, to a man, to a lady, they would all say, yeah, I'm a local church individual. I believe that Peter would say, yeah, I'm for the church. I think Paul would say it, I'm for the church. I'm pretty sure Stephen would say it, I'm for the church. I think Lydia would go on record, I'm for the church. I think Titus and Timothy, and we go on and on, they would all say, I am for the church. There's no place like it. God planned the church. Jesus purchased the church, and the Holy Ghost empowers the church. Tonight, the church is more than just shingles. It's more than stained glass. It's more than a steeple. It's more than a Steinway piano. The church is a spiritual habitation. It's a called-out assembly. It's a local body of born-again 
baptized believers. It's an organization that has the handprint of God upon it. There's no place like the local church. There's no group like the church. There's no company that can compare to a church. There is no organization that can hold a candle to the church. There is no business that can match up with the church. There's no lodge that can meet the needs like a church can meet the need. It's more important than the ball field, the shopping center, the Walmart, or even the hospital in your town. I thank God for every humanitarian organization, but not a one can hold a candle to the good done through the ministry of a local church. I love the church. It's the local church that preaches salvation. It's the local church that lifts up the name of Jesus. It's the local church that gives hope to those without it. It's the local church that restores those that have fallen. It's the local church that welcomes the prodigal back home. It's the local church that bonds a family together. It's a local church that where you find fellowship and friendship around the Word of God. There's no place like the local church. I wonder tonight, where would you be without a church? I tell you where you might be. You might be in hell right now. You might be in a jail cell. You might be in divorce court. You might be out in a ditch somewhere. You'd be somewhere other than this place. Where would we be without the church? Now, I know no two churches are the same, just like you and I aren't. They have different styles and different status. They're all different sizes. But regardless, any assembly of believers that gather around the Word of God, lifting up the name of the Lord, I tell you this, they've got the promise where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. And I tell you why church is worth it. Because if you can go someplace and have God show up and God show out and God show up, that's a good place to go. Where else are you going to go? Get a free seat and a padded pew to watch eternity altered in your presence. There's no place like it. Hollywood can't write a script like that. Can I say the world can't write a song like that? You won't find anything like that on the shelves of the supermarket where God manifests himself in the midst of his people. Where else can you get what you get at church? You can't buy love at Walmart. You don't get hope at the 49ers stadium. You don't find salvation on the street corner, but you get a lot of good stuff in the house of God. I love the church. We had to praise God. If you can't praise God for anything else, you can praise God for Calvary and you can praise God for a church. I'm glad I got a, a cross that gets me to heaven and a church that gives me some solace on the way. I'm glad I got salvation to get me into eternity and a church that helps me live like it on the way. Thank God for a local church. Where would you be? Do you remember the first time you came to church? Remember the first time you walked through the doors of this place? You remember the first service you had at North Valley Baptist Church? You remember that, Brother Shilton? You remember that? 1887 it was. No, but do you remember that first time uh, you came to church and D.O. Moody was preaching, Brother Shelton, I'm glad you're back. I've missed you around the office. But you remember that the first time you came in and you heard the choir opener and you thought there's no place like it. And you heard the singing you thought there's no place like it. And then you heard uh, the announcements of that, man, there's no place like it. Then you took up the offering and you heard the preaching and how God moved in your soul. Where would you be tonight without the church? I love the church. I'm a local church proponent. I'm a fan of it. I'm not against it. I'm for it tonight. I don't dog it. I don't want to talk down about it. If you got a sideways opinion, go sell it somewhere else. I love the church. The best thing about church is God will show up there every once in a while. 
Have you ever been in a service where God just stepped in and upset the whole thing? Man, I love that. Whenever God rewrites the agenda, when God reprograms the program, when God throws out your decent in an order and makes it more decent and in order. And I like it when a sinner gets saved or somebody gets right with God. I like it when a young man gives themselves to preach the Bible. A young lady surrenders to the mission field. Somebody gives a big love offer. I mean, I like it when something big like that happens in a service. I don't want to be anywhere else. There's no place like it. You can't put a price tag on it of the possibility, the potential, and the power that can be packed in one church surface. Now, I know that there's nobody here that would ever want to leave this place or any church, for that matter, that preaches the Bible. But just in case you do, I want to give you some pieces to the puzzle that will complete your exodus from your church. <laughs> now, I understand tonight that you don't think it's going to be you, but neither did Peter. Peter wasn't a hit and miss church member. He didn't just show up to give his Christmas birthday to Jesus offering, then come back for Easter for an egg drop from a helicopter. I mean, he was in church. I mean, every service. He was a faithful man, and yet he fell out. So let me give you some things. You say, well, I would never leave. They all say that. Let me give you some things tonight that I helped you. John 18 is a text that takes us from the garden to the palace of the high priest and ultimately to the Roman pavement. It's a chapter of betrayal and denial. Now, I don't know, but I think maybe that the denial of Peter might have broken the heart of Christ more than the betrayal of Judas. Peter was a man that had much uh, given to him and much was required. Christ is sold for silver in this passage. The disciples scatter for fear. And now the high priest and later Pilate are questioning the Savior. I said a minute ago, the text will show us Jesus in victory and Peter in his iniquity. In verse 15 through 27, the story unfolds. Christ has been taken into custody. He's been led into the palace of the high priest. Now, this is a moment where the faith of Peter could have shined its brightest. But how sad it is at that moment when Peter's faith could have been on display, he falls out, if you will, with God. My Bible heads these verses as Peter's denial. And right here on the threshold of Christ's greatest work, Peter falls out. Now, I think that was probably the furthest thing from his heart's intention and the furthest thing from his mind. It was unexpected. It was unthinkable. It was unfathomable in his heart. It was an unforgettable thing. But this great Christian denies his Christ. He denies him in verse 17. He denies him in verse 25. He denies him in verse number 27. He didn't plan it. He didn't purpose it, but he did it. Now, Consider who we're talking about. This is Peter, by the way. Peter's a man of zeal. Peter's a man of faith. Peter's a man with a pretty good resume of following his Lord. I said a minute ago, he wasn't casual. He wasn't in and out. He wasn't one of those just hanging by a thread. He was plugged in up to his ears in the work of God. Peter's the one that was able to walk on water. You say, but his son got further than you or I. He walked on water. Peter's the one that launched his ship back out and trusted Christ. Peter's the one that was there when Jairus' daughter was raised. It was Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter that went further into the garden to pray with the Lord. It was Peter that was inspired to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God used him to pour down that foundation upon which the church is built. It was Peter that did all those great and mighty things. Peter a soul winner. Peter a preacher. Peter a prayer warrior. He loved the Lord, but he left. 
in this passage, Peter goes from being a hero to falling out. Now, I want to break it down. Now, listen quickly. Before you close your Bible and shrug this off and say, it's not for me. Listen, if it could happen to Peter, it could happen to me. If it happened to Peter, it could happen to you. I looked at some statistics, and I don't know if they're accurate or not. They're on the Internet, so I reckon they're true. A lot of stuff on there is, I guess. Stats said 2020, for the first time in the history of our country, church attendance fell below 50%. That's church, mosque, synagogue, any spiritual connection. For the first time in the history of America, 50%. So it's right now at 47%. But here's a more staggering number I read. 2.7 million adults leave church every single year. 2.7 million adults. That's just the adults. That doesn't count the children they drag out with them. Karl Marx, was. uh, his parents were, were Jews and attended synagogue and fill up with their synagogue and produced an atheist that ruined much of our world. 2.7 2.7 million adults, moms and dads, get out of church every year and drag the children with them. Yes, sir. Let me give you a few steps if you're going to make your exodus. Look with me in verse number 10. How do you leave church? How, let me help you leave. Verse number 10, here's number one, live in your feelings. Yeah. See what it says? Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's <coughs> servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, here's Jesus in the garden. He's been praying there, and he's been praying uh, through the night, agonizing about Calvary. And the disciples are there, and the soldiers weave their way up the hillside. Judas comes and betrays the Lord. And Peter, I mean, takes the initiative and swings his sword and cuts the ear off of that man. Now, I don't know if he was swinging for ear or neck, but he got ear. He cut his ear off. I thought about that. I like that on his face because Peter had some courage. He had some gumption. He had some boldness about him. He wasn't just sitting back I mean, wasting the upholstery on a pew. He was swinging his sword. He cut that man's ear off. But you can tell in the next verse, Christ rebukes him for doing that. He said, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. He said, Peter, you ought to listen to me. You ought to be still and let me handle the situation. But here's what happened. Peter's a man that wore his emotions on his sleeve. You study the life of Peter. He's very emotional. He is up and he's down. He is loud. He's in and he's out. He lived in his feelings. Now, don't get me wrong. I like emotions. I like a church with emotion. I like a preacher with emotion. I'm not a proponent of just standing up there like a librarian with a laryngitis using your inside voice, apologizing over yourself while you tell us what you read in Good Housekeeping Saturday night. I think a man of God ought to get in the pulpit and raise his voice and preach. I like emotion in the singing. I like emotion in the offering. I like emotion in Sunday school. But I'll tell you how to kill yourself. I mean, spiritually and fall out of church. You just come to church like your own something. You come to church with that victim mentality. You come to church like you're a spiritual peacock all puffed out. You wear a chip on your shoulder. You come looking to get it knocked off. You just want a problem with somebody. If nobody starts trouble you're going to start it. I tell you it won't last long like that. If you live on amens and attaboys, a gold star on your locker, an extra cookie at recess, you're going to get discouraged and depressed when it doesn't come and you're going to fall out. You better have some truth that plugs you in. You can't live on feelings. I can name a name right now of a man I knew in West Virginia was faithful until the day the pastor didn't shake his hand after the service. And then he quit coming after 20 some years in that church. Big boy. (laughs) At some point, we got to put on our big boy pants and our big girl skirts. 
big girl skirts and big boy pants and not get offended over every, if you, oh, I didn't get to sing a special. You can't sing good. You're not going to sing anymore. Yeah, you got one shot and blew that. Amen, right there. Well, the preacher didn't even recognize me. There's a thousand people crawling around in here. He might not have seen you. I like emotion, but man, you can't live like this. Get offended over everything. Get uptight about everything. Come in. We've talked about it before. People get plugged in immediately. Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. They don't stay but a week. Number one, live in your feelings. Better watch yourself on your feelings. Number two, look from the fringe. Look at verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But watch this. But Peter stood at the door without. Preceding his vocal denial was a positional denial. Before he ever said it with his lips, he shouted it with his life. <clears throat> You say, what do you mean? I mean, John maybe had an acquaintance with the high priest. I don't know, but I know this. John the beloved, John the timid. We were, John just marched right in there. He said, if he's going to the cross, then I'll go with him. And here's big, bold Peter. Peter stops at the door and kind of stands there and kind of looks and sees what's going on. I tell you this. The best way to do church is not as a spectator. It's as a participator. There's too many people. They just test the waters, just feeling this thing out. Well, let me see how it goes. Let me see what he does with that offering. Let me see what happens next year. And they just sit on the fringe. Well, I'm just going to wait for I get plugged in. That's a good way to drag yourself and family out of church. I wouldn't wait to get on a bus route. I wouldn't wait to get in the class. I wouldn't wait to come on Sunday night and Sunday morning. I wouldn't wait to time. I wouldn't look off in the distance. Because here's what happens. When you look from the fringe, you become analytical. You just start to critique everything and say, well, I wouldn't do it like that. You wouldn't do it like anyway because you don't do anything. I mean, I wouldn't do it that way. And you start running everything down. You look from the fringe. You're going to fall out you get in up to your ears in the ministry of the church you'll stick you know why because you're investing investments not just with your funds invest with your time invest with your life invest with your Saturday and you start investing I tell you what you do you become in love attached it strengthens your bond with your church most folk that get uh, that get out in a hurry they never did get in Number one, live in your feelings. Number two, look from the friends. Number three, lose the wonder of your function. Look at verse 17. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, art not thou also one of this man's, look at the word now, disciples. Now look what he says. That's a big deal, by the way. He says, I am not. That title is an important title. And Peter just shrugs it off like it's nothing. I tell you when somebody's about out the door, well, all I do is teach a class. All I do is sing in the choir. Yeah. All I do is help take up the offering. All I am is a greeter. And they start to minimalize and cut, cut, cut at the legs their title, their position that they've been given. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who probably shut in tonight that wish they had the energy yes, you sir. and I have to serve God. Yes, sir. Man, they'd give anything if they could get back to where they once were and sing in that choir yeah. and teach their class and yeah. run their route or just sit in a pew and smile and say yeah. amen every once in a while. They'd love to be able to come to church, but physically they just can't get out of the house and go. They'd love to. And I say, shame on us if we ever get to that place and say, well, I'm just or I'm only. What are you talking about, man? You get to serve the King of Kings yeah, and the Lord of Lords. And can I say there's no big job, little job in the ministry? It yeah. doesn't matter if you've got a title or no title. If 
you're saved and serving God, it's a big deal. I don't care if you're scrubbing toilets or preaching from the pulpit. I don't care if you're vacuuming the floors or washing the windows. It doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher, a missionary, whatever it is. If you're doing it for God, can I say it's a big deal to God? You ought not ever look down on your post. You ought to thank God for your station. You ought to be glad you got a place in the hedge you can make up, a gap you can fill. Thank God for everyone who pulls their weight around the house of God. Can I say we need every usher. We need every security worker. We need everyone who cleans the building. We need every preacher and teacher, every choir member. We need every person that fills a pew and brings an amen and gives a tithe. Everybody's important, but here's what happens. You say, well, it doesn't matter if I stay or go. Sure it does, but you get that attitude, you're going to fall out. It's a big deal. Number one, live in your feelings. Number two, look from the friends. Number three, lose the wonder of your function. Number four, loosen up on your fellowship. Look at verse 18. And the servants and officers stood there who made a fire of coals, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now we can jump down again, verse 25 said, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Wait a minute. Who's he warming himself with? The crowd that's crucifying his Lord. Now what's interesting is you read the synoptic gospels, and that's just a big $5 Bible college word for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But you read, uh, you read those Gospels, and they say G, uh, that uh, Peter sat, sat. John says he stood. You see, contradiction? No, more light. You know what that means? He couldn't get comfortable. Yeah, 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 there you go. Why? Yeah. Because he, he couldn't fit in with that crowd. Yeah. Man, he tried as hard as he could to fit in, but he just couldn't mesh with them. Yeah. He tried to change yeah. his wardrobe. He tried to listen to different That's music. Good. He tried to go where they went. He tried to smell like they smell and eat like they eat. He tried to fit in with that crowd, but no matter how, you can't put a round peg in a square hole, and he just didn't feel comfortable. He said, man, I can't get in. I can't get out. I'm trying my best to fit in with this crowd that hates my Lord, and I just can't. I tell you how you get out of church. Loosen up on your fellowship a little yeah. bit. It's not hard to flag somebody who's on the way out. You just watch who they run with. You just watch who they tweet with. You just watch who they're yoked to. You just watch who they have at their house. You just watch who they like to share. I talked to so-and-so the other day, and I tell you, all these anti-God or anti-your pastor or anti-the philosophy that you've been saying amen to and paying your tithe to for generations, I tell you, you're on the way out. No doubt about it. You don't have to say amen. We all know and see you're on your way out. Loosen up on your fellowship. Why in the world would you do I would be a devil if I ran with somebody who cussed my father, earthly father, all the time, wouldn't I? Wouldn't that be a sorry son if I hung out with somebody who just said, man, I tell you, Jim Cooper is a low-down, dirty dog, just lied on my dad all the time, talked bad about him. How much worse is it of a Christian to go fellowship with folks that just cuss the name of your God all the time? Amen. I'd be a sorry son, wouldn't it? Number one. Live in your feelings. Number two, look on the friends. Number three, lose the wonder of your function. Number uh, four, loosen up on your fellowship. And last thing, we have to go to chapter 21. Leave your boat ready for fishing. Look with me at chapter 21, the first three verses. And this is a familiar story. How are you going to leave your church? Leave your boat ready for fishing. Look what it says here. After these things, Jesus is already resurrected. Peter gets antsy. He's emotional still. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on, the, on this wise showed himself. <clears throat> they were together, Simon, Peter, there he is, flesh and spirit. And Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Yeah. Simon Peter saith unto them, watch this, yeah. I go a fishing. By the way, if you're going to backslide, then backslide. You don't have to tell everybody you're going to do it. 
the only reason a backslider pronounces his backsliddenness is because he's trying to get people to go with him backsliding. Put that on a Hallmark card. That'd be a good one. So that's what they say. They say unto him, we also go with thee. Why? Because Peter had some leadership. He just had some tendencies about him that drew people to follow him, and he used it for wrong. They said unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. So he went out and he got emptied is what happened to him. But here's the problem. Fishing is what Peter did before salvation. That was his livelihood before he got put in the ministry. That's what he was. That's what he used to be. I like 1 Kings, what is it, chapter number 19, when Elijah calls Elisha in the ministry. Yeah, yeah. I like what Elisha does a lot better than what Peter did. What did he do? He said, wait a minute, uh, Elijah, i got to go do something. He's a plow boy. You know what he does? He takes his plow, uses it to fuel the fire, and then he roasts the oxen or the cow on the fire. He burned the plow and roasted the cow. What's he saying? He said, I'm not going back. Shall I go back into the world? No, not I, not I. He said, it's over now. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus, but that's not what Peter did. Peter said, I'm going to follow you, Lord, until the honeymoon wears off. I'm going to follow you until it gets hard. I'm going to follow you until politically I don't like the situation. I'm going to follow you until I have to do something I don't think is right because I've got my rights and everything. I'm going to follow you until I get tired of the same illustrations. I'm going to follow you until I don't like the choir singing and then I'm going to keep the boat docked just in case I feel like going fishing. I'll tell you why a lot of folks get out of church because they never divorce themselves from whatever they think their plan B is. Well, you know, if it doesn't do it, work out, I'll just move in there with mama. Or I'll just go over here to Uncle So-and-So's church and sit over there. Half in, half out. That's like the old illustration. I think J. Vernon McGee used to use that man the Civil War that couldn't choose sides. You've heard this probably a million times. I've heard it a million times and here's a million and one. He couldn't decide if he was going to be a Confederate or a Yankee. So he decided to wear a blue jacket and gray pants and got shot by both sides. <laughs> now, we can't see it tonight, but there's a lot of you wearing blue jackets and gray pants spiritually in your heart. Because, yeah, you're here and you're smiling. You enjoy everything the church has to offer. But in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, but I know I could go over here if I need to. I'm not sold out. I'm not all plugged in yet. Brother Russ and I had lunch today, and here's, we were talking about the area and things. And I said, here's what I've had to do for me. I said, I have to cultivate a love in my heart for this place. And I don't mean just this place. I'm talking about Santa Clara, California. I said, if a man from America can cultivate a love in his heart to go to China or Africa or some third world country where it's difficult, how spoiled rotten are we as Christians if we say, what's well, too hard here? I don't want to live here. Oh, my goodness, no. And I said, what we have to cultivate is the people to fall in love, yeah. get a loyalty, a love for the people and the region that we live in. Amen. Because here's what we have to believe, that we're Amen. here to reach them with the gospel. That there's people one heartbeat from hell that we pass every single day that need someone to get Amen. plugged in. I tell you what they don't need is for you to be fishing on the day they ought to get saved. Yep. I'm going fishing today. Man, what are you talking about? There's people dying and going to hell. And you say, I'm getting out. Man, I came to get in. I hope you're staying in, man. How do you leave church? 2.7 million people a year. Absolutely. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of adults. Not counting the kids, that's a lot of people. Drug out of church every year. You've seen it before if you've ever lit a fire in West Virginia. I saw a vehicle the other day. I think 
I forget where it was, but it, has, it had a sticker on it that said, Cold keeps the lights on. I said, man, that sounds like home, and looked at the license plate, and it was a West Virginia vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told my wife, I said, I knew it was because it was an old Ford Escape with rusted out fenders and things. I don't know how they got it out here. Surely it won't pass smog, but anyway, it's here now. But we had coal all the time, just coal. You have those coals in that fire together, and they're all hot, and they glow, and then you take one coal and separate it out, and it'll glow for a while, but it loses its shine. You know why? Because it needed the fire from the other coals to keep it glowing. You might fall out and do all right for a day or two, maybe a week, maybe a month. But I tell you this, you can't survive without a church. And you will lose your glow after a while. Because I need you. And I know you, and, uh, you need me and we all need each other, I know. We make it together. Some on boards and some on broken pieces, but we'll all make it safe to shore if we just swim together. Amen. Tonight, you say, that won't be me. Hey, don't say that. You got to come and say, Lord, help that not to be me. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.